Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fence Side here with Kat and Paul. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. The Dolphins head into Arlington, Texas this weekend, a 21.5-point underdog at the time we're recording the show. They play at noon central, 1 eastern time, against the Dallas Cowboys, two teams that look like they're heading in opposite directions right now. Dallas on NFL.com and ESPN.com are ranked fourth in both power rankings, and you can pretty much guess where the Miami Dolphins are ranked. But that doesn't mean we can't find some good in this upcoming game here. The odds are the Dolphins won't lose by 49 or 43 points. But before we get into that, Paul, a few pieces of news. Obviously the biggest one, Josh Rosen is named the starting quarterback over Ryan Fitzpatrick. When he got into the last game, even though his stat line reflects a 14.5 quarterback rating on the year, when he got into the game, we saw a sign of a, a quarterback that can actually drop back and sling the ball with some mechanics and get the ball to certain areas on the field Ryan Fitzpatrick can't get to. We saw the drop pass by Jakeem Grant 50 yards downfield, the drop pass by Preston Williams 50 yards downfield last game. So is this the time for to put Josh Rosen in a quarterback, or do you disagree with this? Um, the only thing I disagree with was it should have been two weeks ago. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick is old, fat, inaccurate, and, oh, boy, he's a rah-rah guy at quarterback. I mean, I like the guy. He's, he's, he's cool and all. But, when I, you know, you create a quarterback in Madden, you don't exactly make him look like UConn Cornelius and play like him, too. <laughs> well said. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, we've been talking about this for weeks. I would prefer he's behind an offensive line for the first time in his career that won't get him killed. But we've got to know what we have with Josh Rosen this year because – even with this offensive line, the Dolphins can't be sitting here in week seven and week eight saying, well, you know, he's got a promising future ahead of him, blah, 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 while the Dolphins are getting killed on offense every game. So, you know, at least it gives us Dolphins fans a little something to look forward to in this contest. Rosen's only 22 years old, and if he can play – at a high level throughout the rest of the year. It's going to be a challenge for him to do that. But if he can play at a high level, I'm not saying you don't draft a quarterback, number one, if that opportunity presents itself, but it gives you some options heading into 2020 with all these draft picks. It does. And uh, I'm going to apologize to you right now, Kat. I'm going to get up on a little bit of a soapbox and throw a soliloquy out there, but I want to get, want to get this out for our listeners. I sat around today playing with, with Fan Speaks Mock Draft, and it was almost comical as I'm doing it because without even factoring in the 100-plus million, and it's a big plus on the, on the other side on 100 million in free agency, what I was able to build 
through Fanspeak's mock, just just playing around a little bit. Obviously, a ton will change between now and the draft. But just on a first-pass whim basis, I was able to, the first time I did it, draft Tuataglia and built an offensive line, gave him a deadly wide receiver threat, um, rebuilt the secondary, and added an edge rusher. I mean, and and that's just with draft picks, not even factoring in the fact that Chris Greer said he could go out in free agency and was going to be aggressive this offseason. Miami's not going to have the first pick, pick in two years. Now, the interesting part to me was I sat back and thought about it and said, well, hell, we don't know what we have in Rosen. And granted, he would have to play really well with the odds stacked against him this year. But if Rosen goes out and, say, throws for 300 yards in at least half the games, given given what he's got to go up against, he might show Chris Greer and the rest of the nation that he's the guy. And I don't want some incumbent quarterback battle between him and the number one overall pick if he shows Miami that he's the guy. At that point in time, it gets even more fun to build a team around the quarterback already being there. Now you don't have to worry about, God, do we win more games than the Jets this year, which sounds goofy right now, but it's possible. The Bengals are in that conversation, and let's face it, the Steelers are in the conversation right now for having a crap-ass season and possibly sneaking ahead of Miami. So there is possibility Miami doesn't have the number one overall pick, and if you already have that quarterback in hand, you can build around him. And then, God, you look at what they've got for 2021 and what they'd be able to build as those rookies from next year develop. And then you can pepper in pretty much whatever you want in free agency. It's really exciting. I, I likened it in, in my head anyway, and I didn't say this to you when we were talking earlier today. But it's almost like with a slingshot. Right now, they're pulling this thing way the hell back, but they're going to catapult forward. And they don't even have to hit on everything. They don't have to hit on everything with the resources that they have at their disposal. Chris Greer has set this up in an amazing way, and I know you want to talk about what Dominique Foxworthy had to say about that. Yeah, uh, and just to piggyback on that, what I'm looking for throughout the rest of the year, I look at this roster and I see eight players I can point to and I say, I, I feel confident they're going to start in 2020. And th- those players right now are guards Michael Dieter and Jesse Davis. I hope Jesse Davis returns to guard. And on the defensive side of the ball, Christian Wilkins, Davin Gottschalk, Jerome Baker, Christian Wilkins, Xavier Howard, and Bobby McCain. Not saying all those guys are great, but I'm saying they're startable pieces heading into 2020. I'm wondering who is going to step up and join them. Players like like can Preston Williams hang on to the ball and have some really big games? Can uh, along the edge, convince Beagle ca- capitalize and and get pressure on the quarterback like he did against New England last week and be thought of as a core player. And then next year, you can go out and just flat out buy three players. The Jets almost did it this past year when they signed C.J. Mosley, Le'Veon Bell, and almost Anthony Barr before they messed that up. Uh, then you've got six, presumably, of the first 65 to 70 picks in the draft. You would hope five or six of them are going to compete for starting jobs immediately. So, yeah, it's terrible right now, and there's no guarantee that it's going to get better for a long time. But this is a little bit unprecedented, and it's drawn a lot of ire, too, especially from Dominique Foxworth, 
Worth, who used to represent the player union from 2014 to 2016. So what he said today, or excuse me, yesterday, Paul, was that this was a morally reprehensible to put the Dolphins players in this position. And his reasoning was when you draft, you get drafted or you get signed into the NFL, the, they have a responsibility to put you in positions to be successful and not basically sully all of your game tape by putting you around such intentionally bad football players. What was your take on that? I think it's morally reprehensible to listen to Dominic Foxworthy talk about this subject. I mean, it's it's a hot-button, clickbait bunch of crap, in my opinion. I mean, you, he wants to talk about putting them in position to be successful. I'm sorry. Miami was in position to be average for the next 10 years. So all of these players that are still going to be here next year, which is not everybody on this roster, some of these guys are basically getting a shot they wouldn't have gotten otherwise. So you look at what they're setting up for these players. They're setting these players up to have some successful seasons in the future so long as they prove themselves that they're worthy of being there. It's just because Miami's drafting 12 to 14 players next year just because Miami's going to be active in free agency, you know what? You prove there's a role for you on this team, there will be a role for you on this team. And when people come out and say this crap about, oh, Miami's not going to be able to sales pitch any, to any free agent, and they're going to have to overpay. You know what? For one, if it's a guy they really want, they can afford to overpay a little bit. For two, it's one season. Cleveland didn't have a problem getting free agents, and they went, what, one, one in 31 over the course of two seasons? I mean, give me a break. It's not like Miami. I mean, all you have to do is walk in the room with that free agent or with their agent and say, hey, look, we're going to take care of your guy. He's a young ascending player. We love him. We're going to take care of him. And look at what we've got and what we're in the process of doing here. Right after you, we've got this guy coming in for a visit, and we're planning on not letting him walk out of the damn building. Uh, We've got 12 to 14 draft picks, and we are going to rebuild this roster in a hurry, not long term. We're doing it now. So – Morally reprehensible. He can kiss my ass. Mine too. And I've got I've got several points on this to to make. The the first one is as his point about the game tape. Where else in the NFL are players like Preston Williams and Mike Gesicki and John Jenkins going to play forty or fifty snaps a game? I would say that 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 is going to be a good thing for their career. They're not buried on depth charts or out of the NFL. They're getting meaningful snaps. Nothing to brag about for the Dolphins from a talent perspective, but that's good for them. And when I look at the rest of the league, you know, and I've been one that against my own interests, I've actually stood up for the Patriots and said that you can call them whatever you want, but I think it's in the media's best interests to basically – call them what they're calling it to, to call them cheaters at every turn. I don't agree with that. I think they're a great team regardless, but they do bend the rules. The Seahawks bend the rules when they design a stadium to intentionally be that loud. The chargers bend the rules when they're hiding stick up on the sidelines. So if the dolphins are bending the rules a little bit in this situation, they're, they're coming up with, they're putting themselves in a position where they're hurting themselves right now so that they can have a better future. I don't see a problem with that. It's called strategy for the future. But a third point I want to make, too, just quickly, is 
I don't think this was a situation. We talk about tanking. I don't think it was a situation where they were intentionally trying to lose or any of this stuff. I think what happened is they were going to use this year to accumulate draft picks responsibly, get out of some bad contracts, and then it really got out of hand from that point because Minka didn't want to play, and they got an offer that was absolutely insane from the Houston Texans from Laramie Tunzel that created the image that they were just having a fire sale. So I don't know what you want to add on to that, but, yeah, overall – I, th- I think us Dolphins fans are dealing with enough rather than having the integrity of the game questioned. Well, and, and the funny thing is, it, 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 on top of that, they're not even bending the rules. They're playing well within the rules. And, yeah, they're they're taking their medicine and taking their lumps and recovering from the Mike Tannenbaum era. And yeah, we've wanted innovation. We've wanted somebody to try something different in Miami. If you listen back to our off-season shows and even our end-of-season shows over the past, God, have I really been doing this with you for five or six years now? Yep. I mean, it, you, you'll hear me say what I want in Miami is coaching and GMs that aren't afraid to innovate because, you know what, if all you're doing is copying other teams in the league, you're asking to be somewhere between seven and ten wins with no Super Bowl 99% of the time. One of the reasons the Patriots get ahead, and not just the I'll, – I'll use your terminology of bending the rules because I don't feel like debating that at the moment. They find ways to be innovative. They, When most of the leagues got their wide receiver core and going outside in, they went ahead with two tight ends with Gronk and, and Hernandez that defied what defenses were built around. They find ways to defy what defenses are built around, which are built to stop what 80% of the league is doing. So be innovative, be different, find a way to, to come out and give coordinators fits because they actually have to do their damn job fully for, for that week. And it's a damn stressor for them. Miami's being innovative here. Get Dominique Fox for the off TV. Yeah. I don't think he's on very much anyway, but I'm, I'm let's, let's keep it that way. Even more. <laughs> <laughs> let's take a look at the game here, Paul. Um, you know, Dolphins are 21-and-a-half-point underdogs. I mean, it, not a whole heck of a lot to talk about with the game. I mean, we're we're looking for individual performances. Again, again, we're looking at this like one giant preseason game. I hate to use that terminology, but it is it is what it is. So, offensively, I, I do think this was a, the right game to put Josh Rosen in for a different reason. Is the If you had asked me before the year who are the two best secondaries in the league, I would have struggled between the Patriots – and the Ravens, and the Dolphins faced both of them in the first week. I'm not saying that that they would have lit the world on fire against anybody else, but if you wanted to get past those first two games and, and see what Fitzpatrick has, which obviously isn't much, and then put Rosen in after that, I can understand that a little bit more, and I'm glad that there was some news that came out for this year where there's more something to look forward to and to watch. But one thing I look for this game, too, is at cornerback – the Cowboys are pretty good. They've got Byron Jones. He's coming off the injury, but he's rounding back into shape. They've got young corners like Chidobia Wuzier, Jordan Lewis uh, on the outside. But they're going to be missing uh, say their safety, Xavier Woods, who is really an emerging player for them at that safety spot. They're going to have Jeff Heath, a very slow-footed safety, more of that kind of in-the-box guy, and Darian Thompson has really bounced around the league for a couple of years. So, 
Josh Rosen, if he can get the ball up and out and be well-protected enough on a couple of plays, may be able to connect deep on a few of these passes. He might. I mean, you look at last week and, and the fact that he hit Jakeem Grant in face mask. He hit Preston Williams in the hand. I mean, he threw some very good deep balls here, and I'm really looking for, for the wide receivers to recover a little bit from last week because Rosen was putting the ball on the money. He did have that interception, whatever. I mean, he's going to. It's He's not a relief pitcher. He's a starter. And hopefully we see a little bit more and a little bit better from him with him coming in as part of the game plan to begin with. I really, really hope that Jakeem Grant and Preston Williams feel they have something to prove in this one. I know we'll be without Albert Wilson, uh, but I really want to see what they can do. I want to see if he can get Mike Gesicki going a little bit here. The the goal is to see what we have in, in individual players and how they respond, and hopefully we get to see a little bit of that from not only Rosen, but also from from these, this wide receiver core and the tight ends. Yeah, and looking at the resources that we've talked about for next year and the year after for the Dolphins, with all these draft picks, with all this free agent money, it's really important that the Dolphins at these skill positions, at running back, wide receiver, and even tight end to some degree, where they've got so much youth and a lot of raw youth with players like Balazs, who is just a train wreck right now, and Preston Williams and Devontae Parker and Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant, Gesicki, Durham Smythe. These are all players that are 22 to 27 years old, a lot of which were drafted or signed in free agency. So I don't want to sit here next year and – say that we've got to remake the wide receiver unit again after we just did it here last year already. And I, th- I still think at running back, you know, I'm, I'm new age in this respect, I think you can find a running back pretty much anywhere, especially in the third or fourth round. Take a look at the third or fourth round picks over the last few drafts, and I think you'll see that too. But sticking at the running back position, it's really at a crossroads right now because Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balazs are averaging 1.9 yards a carry on the season. Kenyon Drake's a free agent after the year. Kalen Balazs is struggling badly in every, every facet of the game. And the Dolphins have three other running backs on their roster, not including fullback Chandler Cox, in Mark Walton, Miles Gaskin, and, and Patrick Laird. So, you know, as we approach this third game, Paul, how do you want to start seeing those carries divided between these running backs? I'd really like to see Drake. Laird and Walton get the lion's share of the carries over the next few weeks, see what we have there, and maybe come back, circle back around to Balage. The other thing I'd like to see is I'd like to see Chandler Cox in there helping the offensive line out with a little bit of the pass blocking uh, and occasionally slipping out of the backfield unex- unexpectedly for, for opposing defenses and help keep Josh Rosen on his feet so we can analyze the quarterback position. I want the running backs to get utilized enough to keep it honest and I want Cox to be in there keeping Rosen on his feet so that we get that chance to see what we have. That, that's the theme for the season, see what we have. Absolutely. Let's take a look at the defensive side of the ball. And the Dolphins are going against a quarterback that is absolutely on fire, and Dak Prescott, 51 completions on 62 attempts, a quarterback rating of over 140 86 rushing yards. I mean, he's just been on fire the first two games in a contract year. I don't really see that slowing down against the Dolphins. 
You've got Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield, and to me, this is the best running back in the league. He led the league by almost 150 yards last year, even though he missed a full game. So it's going to be a tough matchup. And even when you get past the quarterback and the running back, you've got probably the best offensive line in the NFL. Uh, Travis Frederick is back at center. Zach Martin's at right guard. Tyron Smith is at left tackle. Those three guys, between the three of them, are all 28 years old and have combined for 15 Pro Bowls. They also have Lael Collins at right tackle who just got paid and also former second-round pick Connor, Connor Williams from Texas. So oh, it's, going to be, it's going to be a big test, especially for guys like Davin Gottschaw and Christian Wilkins. Completely. And it still hurts to hear anybody say Lael Collins. Uh, I, I, I know how bad you and I both wanted him in Miami and God. Twice. Oh, oh, there were so many chances. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that one hurts. But you know what? At the end of the day, I, I want to see a little bit more John Jenkins mixed in there too. I, I really like some of the push I saw out of him last week, and I want to see what he's got there in the tank. I mean, like you pointed out before, he may not see 40 snaps from any team in the NFL, but he literally – threw a player into Tom Brady for a sack last week. Literally threw a player into Tom Brady for a sack last week. I mean, that in and of itself earns you a spot on my uh, on my wall of I want to see a little more of this. And there's no, I love when I see defensive tackles do things like that. That's to me it's it's exciting football. Yeah, well said. John Jenkins, not only did he push he didn't push any player back to Tom Brady either. I mean, that was that was Shaq Mason, who's a Pro Bowl guard, who just got mm-hmm. nine or ten million a year. And John Jenkins did that a couple of times, with the sack being obviously the one that stuck out the most. So, yeah, I'm looking for that. Charles Harris has another just seemingly impossible task here against Tyron Smith. I mean, this is one of the best left tackles in the league, and now in the first, you know, couple weeks of the season, he's got Ronnie Stanley and. He's got Tyron Smith. So it'll be interesting next week to see what he does against the Chargers and Trent Scott playing left tackle because should get a little bit easier after this game. But Charles Harris has to start making an impact too. We've been saying that for a couple of years. And maybe Taco Charlton, the new arrival from the Dallas Cowboys, ends up getting on the field too. But, you know, the back seven, this is a unit, you know, at the beginning of the show, I said that two players I, I see being here and starting next year are Jerome Baker and Raekwon McMillan. And I'm also really interested to see what Sam Aguavion can bring to the table because in the two linebacker looks where you've got to cover more field, Jerome Baker and Sam Aguavion are the two players I'd like to see on the field with Raekwon McMillan being that thumper. And then if you add Vince Beagle as the outside pass rusher, if he continues – to show what he showed at Wisconsin before getting hurt with the Packers and in the first couple, in the first, uh, couple of games of the season, then I guess what I'm saying is the linebacker unit, it's young, and it's a position that if we continue to see improvement here throughout the year, maybe a position we point to and say, you know what, we can build these other positions on defense. Completely, and I'm intrigued. I know they used Rake McMillan on a player or two as a pass rusher, uh, Vince Beagle. Taco Charlton, Tank Carradine, and Charles Harris. Something feels like it's going to shake loose from that grouping there. I'm sure not all of them will be back next season, but something feels like it's going to shake loose from those guys one of these weeks coming up. And 
you never know. I mean, you just, you never know in the NFL and Miami really, if you take those Ryan Fitzpatrick interceptions last week out, they hung in for a while for what three, almost three quarters against the Patriots until Ryan Fitzpatrick said, "Mm, uh, let's double down on that double or nothing and, and gave him two scores. So really Dallas is a good team, but I can see Miami having a chance to do a few things here. Um, and, and it's it's intriguing to see what this, this linebacker core can do if what's left of the secondary can hold up long enough to allow them to, to participate. Yeah, and I think the Cowboys, as the game goes along, they're going to try to keep this game comfortably in control and, and be up in that 10 to 14 point mark and, and run Ezekiel Elliott and you know, if, after he's gained some success, you put in like the rookie fourth rounder Tony Pollard to get to get him some confidence too. So yeah, it's we're we're that, those are the players we're looking for. And at, at defensive back, now that Minka Fitzpatrick is gone and Rashad Jones is going to be out this game, getting thinner and thinner at the secondary. They signed Doug Middleton this week, the former Jet. He may get on the field. I know they're high on Steve Parker, number twenty-four. Two players I want to see get on the field though are Chris Lamons, uh, who I think is going to get extended playing time as we go along, and Ken Webster. And Ken Webster is an interesting one because this is a player, and I, I tweeted about him a couple of times, is three or four years ago, this was a guy who was projected to be a first-round draft pick. He had a gruesome injury in 2016. He was one of the last picks of the draft by the Patriots. He didn't make their squad but did show some promise in preseason. He's 5'11", 200-plus pounds, and he's he's also a guy that had what eleven an eleven foot broad jump, just great great measurables. He's got great length. If he can round back from that injury, this is somebody that that may be one of those acorns for next year too. Yeah, no, I mean Miami's got some young players to definitely take a look at there. I mean, there's a few guys on the practice squad that we could see get promoted in the coming weeks. But looking at the Dallas game. I'm very intrigued. One of these weeks, I keep waiting for it. Somebody's going to decide that they're going to challenge Xavier Howard. Somebody's going to do it. Maybe Dak Prescott. Maybe it'll be in a week or two. Somebody's going to challenge Xavier Howard, which is going to add a little bit of electricity to it, to a game once they do. Um, and I'm also looking to see how Bobby settles into that deep center field role. That's going to be a huge thing for me is seeing how he develops. I mean, you remember, I've loved Bobby McCain since Miami drafted him. And, you know, even when it wasn't the cool thing to do. And I really want to see how he grows into this role because I trust Flores' assessment of players. I trust his assessment of what they can and can't do, even if they don't know it yet and need to grow into that role. And I trust it based on what I saw when he was coordinating with the Patriots. Well, I certainly don't trust Brian Flores yet. I, I respect where he came from in New England and the things he can bring over. And I don't think – I'm with you, Paul. I don't think the defense looked bad last week. That might sound laughable given the, the scoreboard. But, you know, end of the first half, it's a 7 to nothing game. And then it's 13 nothing when Antonio Brown catches the touchdown that should have been a penalty. And, you know – it's 16 to nothing with a couple minutes left in the third quarter before the, the Dolphins offense again couldn't move the ball. And, and eventually in the fourth quarter, the defense obviously caved. But yeah, I'm encouraged by what I saw for three quarters, given that they don't have a lot of talent in a lot of spots where, where there needs to be talent. Uh, 
But, yeah, Bobby McCain, to, to go back to what you were saying, I want to see him at nickelback still. I mean, I think that's his best spot. Um, I don't know if he has the range to cover center field. Obviously, the team thinks that, that he does. But luckily, McCain is a player that I think, regardless of where you put him, he, he's somebody that's, that's, that's going to be a defensive back that, that's around here for a while. So, Paul, Cowboys are 21.5-point favorites. Again, one of the biggest lines in NFL history in Week 3. Cowboys, one of the best teams in the league. I'll start with my prediction here. You know, I think it's going to be a little bit closer this week. God, I hope so. You know, I'm, I want to at least lose with the slightest bit of integrity this week. Well, it and can't get it, much further away. I mean. <laughs> yeah, you, you really can't. You, you really can't. And, you know, I, I, when you look at the Cowboys, uh, you know, you're going to have Xavier Howard on presumably Amari Cooper. Devin Smith is a guy that's a, a great story um, that's going to be playing for Michael Gallup, who's expected to miss this game. Um, I, I think I don't think it's going to be an absolute bloodbath, but I do see the Cowboys winning and winning convincingly. I'm going to go with 27 to 13. You were so close, so close. I have, I have the Cowboys winning 28 to 13. Um, oh my! Yeah. So and, well, here's the good yeah. news: is they're uh, in both of our our predictions. They're covering. Yeah, it's. I mean, I do think Rosen's going to move the ball a little bit. Um, I think we're going to have some maddening drops at times, but I think he's going to hit on one or two of those, and they're going to be for a big gain, and they're going to put Miami in a position to, well, outscore their total from the first two games. So there's that, and it'll be nice to see Miami get to hold somebody under 30 points like their defense did last week if only their offense could have cooperated. So, yeah, I, 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 I'm looking for promise in this one. I'm looking for potential. I'm looking to see what some of these guys have, and I'm looking to see them make some mistakes and see if they can correct them as the season goes on because this whole season is a learning opportunity for a bunch of young kids, and it's a learning opportunity for the team to figure out what they've got. Basically, Miami's trying to uncover some gems uh, before they really hit the accelerator here. And that will do it for our breakdown of the Miami Dolphins' current state as well as where they are heading into the Dallas Cowboys game. I can't say we, this was necessarily a position-by-position breakdown of the Dallas Cowboys and Miami Dolphins. If you, were, if you were listening for that, we do apologize. There will be more competitive times ahead. That will do it for our breakdown. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. Check out our merch store on thefinside.threadless.com. If it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.